Myself Chakras, episode 128. I believe in the power of prayer, the energy of love, the strength of faith, and the promise of hope. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, and you are back once again to your homeland for ancient wisdom, your podcast for transformation, and a place where we celebrate challenges because we strongly believe that within each challenge is a learning moment. Action Tribe, as you probably already know, I love working hard to get you thought leaders, visionaries, and experts on our show to teach us new skills, new ideas, and models for living a fulfilled life. And so far, we've had 127 powerful episodes. So let me ask you this. What is that one thing that you've learned from the show? What is that one thing that you've learned about yourself or about the world through our show? Did you learn the importance of not giving up? Did you learn that everyone goes through challenges? Did you learn a new way to meditate? Whatever it is, tweet at me on Twitter, post on Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag My7Chakras and tell me what is that one thing that you learned after watching My7Chakras or rather listening to My7Chakras. I look forward to reading your messages. And with that, we are now ready to welcome our featured guest for today, Ambika Waters. So Ambika, are you ready to inspire? I am. Wonderful. So Ambika Waters is the author of 23 books on chakras, angels and homeopathy. She is director of the Institute of Life Energy Medicine dedicated to quality products for people and pets. She teaches how energy medicine can heal the chakras and establish balance. Ambika thrives in the world of energy and her understanding of the archetypes of empowerment, energy and responsibility make her her an exceptional practitioner and therapist. Her books, Chakras and Archetypes and the Homeopathic Bible make her a leader in her field. She brings her sensitivity, awareness to her products, classes and consultations. Her focus is in supporting healing, creating a foundation for making wise choices, cultivating joy and enjoying prosperity. So Ambika, I've given our Action Tribe a glimpse into your life, but take about a minute and tell us a bit more. Well, I've been doing this work for... 40 years or more, and every time I've made a move in my own personal development, my world has expanded. Every time I've dealt with challenges, and I really like what you said about challenges, it's the only way we grow. It's grist for the mill, and every time I faced, was willing to face the difficulty, and I did, my life expanded. I'm a great believer in personal growth and spiritual development. I think it's the ticket for aging well. I think it's the ticket for health. I think it's the ticket for personal empowerment. And as a homeopath, I see the value of this extraordinary energy medicine. And it opens us to the realm of possibilities for making healthy choices. And today, we are compelled to make healthy choices if we want to go forward in life. 
I hope that says it. <laughs> that is so true. We are compelled, given the situation and the world that we live in today, to make those healthy choices. Now, before that, Abhika, the first few minutes of every episode, before we actually jump into the ocean of our interview, those few minutes are dedicated to some magical inspiration, so that no matter where we are right now, we come back to the here and now. So, Abhika, what is your favorite inspirational quote, and how does this quote play out in your life? Well, today, what I have on my desk is this quote I believe in the power of prayer the energy of love the strength of faith and the promise of hope I don't know who said it and I don't even remember where I saw it written but I copied it down and I read it often I do believe in the promise of hope the strength of faith the energy of love and the power of prayer and I don't think that I would want to face any day without those qualities and those components in my life. I treat people all over the world on Skype for various issues, various problems. And I know that for me as a practitioner to not go through the cracks and to give up on people, I need all of that. I need faith. I need prayer. I need compassion and love. And I need hope. And I don't really see how anybody can not want to encompass those qualities in their life. Skepticism doesn't prove, doesn't bring anything good to the table. Criticism and judgment block the flow of energy. We are in a time of great ascension. I do believe that. Um, and I see it many, many ways. Uh, since this strawberry moon and the solstice, I've seen tremendous change in many, many people. I've also seen tremendous illness take a grip on many people. It's a time to be affirmative. It's a time to open to the grace, the blessings and goodness of life, and to let that move through us as energy, as direction, as the wise guidance of our lives. And it's something more and more that I I know I have in my personal life and in my professional life. I hope that answers your question. It sure does. We've just started today's episode and you have reminded us of such powerful forces, the force of faith, prayer, compassion, love, and hope. And I'm sure people listening to this episode, as they say these words, they can feel that surge of energy within themselves. So thanks for reminding us to shine the light on ourselves and others as well. So with that, let's begin. Ambika, what inspired you to start the Institute of Life Energy Medicine? Well, I had traveled for nearly 30 years. I lived in Europe. I lived in Africa. I've been to India twice. I've traveled through the Middle East, and at one point, it was time to start studying. I went to Britain and trained for 10 years as a homeopath. 19 years ago, I returned to America, which is my home, homeland, and it was time to set up practice as a homeopath, and I needed a name for my work because I'm also a product developer in my field. I've developed the homeopathic color and sound remedies that work directly on the chakras, and the name Life Energy Medicine said it all. Uh, this wasn't just homeopathy. It wasn't just color and sound therapy. It was life energy therapy. What we, we want to build is, is 
a stronger capacity to hold the life force. We want mm-hmm. to build a vessel, a physical vessel, an emotional vessel, a mental vessel, a spiritual vessel that holds the life force in all of its form. And I loved the name life force. So that's when I decided to call my work the Institute of Life Energy Medicine. It's got an educational branch. We offer classes on the chakras and healing. We're currently doing a two-year course on homeopathy and life energy medicine. We develop products made with homeopathic color and sound remedies and Mm -hmm. homeopathic potentized vitamins and amino acids. We do products for people and pets. We do consultations and... um, it is an institute. It's a, it is a place that is really geared for learning and developing an awareness of energy and how to apply that in a professional capacity. So firstly, you mentioned that you've been all over the world. You've been to Europe. You lived in Africa, India twice, Middle East, and you mentioned the UK as well, which obviously is within Europe. But I'm sure that that has given you a lifetime of really diverse and wonderful experiences, something that really contributes to your practice and the advice that you have to share with people around. And you mentioned that you practiced as a homeopath and then you came back home and you wanted to set up your practice and the name Life energy medicine it really resonated within you so thanks a lot for sharing that story and during that story you spoke about the chakras which i'm going to dive a bit deeper on based on your study and your experience what are the chakras and what sort of effect do they have on our lives well, that's a wonderful question. I've written eight books on the chakras. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. So if I could just summarize it, the chakras are the energy centers within the field of the human energy system. The field is the auric field. It is not anatomical, but it is palpable. It is something we recognize in metaphysics. It's something that is an a part of the ancient and wonderful cultures of the world, including the Hindu culture, including the Native American culture, uh, the Judaic culture, all refer to energy centers. And the chakras mean, in Sanskrit, mean wheel of light. They are the hydraulic system, if you will, of moving energy through the body, impacting the ductless glands of the body, which are anatomical. Every chakra has a gland. The root chakra has the adrenal cortex of the kidneys. The sacral chakra has sexual glands. The solar plexus has the pancreas. The heart has the thymus. The throat has the thyroid. The brow chakra has the pituitary and the crown chakra has the pineal gland. These are hormone-secreting glands, and they impact the entire physical health of a person. So if a person, for instance, has a restment or a block in the sacral chakra, which is the sexual chakra, it is the sensual chakra, it has to do with money and prosperity, health, beauty, resiliency. It also has to do with our willingness to experience pleasure, find delight in life and joy, and to love unconditionally, to find forgiveness and to find gratitude for everything in our life. So most people have a block here due to family, Mm -hmm. institutions, churches and religions. So many should, so many do nots. And and that arrestment has a physical component. If somebody comes with a problem, let's say lower back pain, Let's just take good old lower back pain, which people with money worries often have. That's the sacral chakra that's contracted around the sacrum. When people are open to abundance, to prosperity, 
to trusting in their creator to provide these pains don't exist in the body. So the way that we can treat that is to treat issues around what I call the pathological relationship with poverty that many people have and hold. Even though they may be prospering in their work, they may still hold ideas that they are not deserving or that what they want is not attainable. So we work with the emotional issues. We look at the psychological attitudes. We give the homeopathic remedies that open the field. I use the color and sound remedies for that to bring resonance into the chakra and to bring balance. My work is really about establishing flow of energy and balance of the field. So does that answer your question or do you need more? It surely does. I love that you provided us the foundations, action tribe, the chakras are the energy centers within the field of the human energy system, the aura. So there are many layers of the auras, but the chakras are the energy centers. And as Ambika mentioned, although these are energy centers, energy vortices, they impact the physical glands within our body. So physical glands are there, like different types of them, depending on which chakras we're talking about. And a block in the sacral chakra, which has to do with sensuality, resiliency, unconditional love, or maybe our relationship with money, this energy block affects our physical self. So a lot of it has to do with uncovering those limiting beliefs that are there within our subconsciousness, which we might not be aware of as well, but uncovering these limiting beliefs leads to the healing. Is that correct? Absolutely. Very well put. Wonderful. Now that we know what the chakras are and how they influence our lives, what advice do you have for someone who wants to raise their energy awareness and maybe feel their energy centers? I believe in the power of meditation, of all the things that Mm -hmm. we can do. We can do yoga. We can do physical exercise. We can do therapy to release the past, but nothing stabilizes the energy field like meditation. There are many, many kinds of meditation. I do a chakra meditation. It's on tape on my website that anybody can go to and listen to, and it really helps people identify those energy centers and work with them. But meditation of all the things that I have done in my life is something that I could not do without. The same with the power of prayer. I believe mm-hmm. in the power of prayer. When when life gets hard, it's please help me and thank you so much for having helped me through something. But meditation is that way of calming the system, detaching from our problems, looking to the source within to find resonance with our higher self. I love meditation and I encourage people to do it. I have seen people with high blood pressure do Mm -hmm. nothing but meditation and bring their blood pressure down 20 points. It's a very powerful tool and the one of all the things I know, and I I love homeopathy and I've been doing this for many, many years, but meditation is the most self-empowering tool I know. And I'm a great believer in it. Wonderful. Now, you've alluded to this, but let's talk about the challenge. Why do people fall ill or get a disease in the first place? Well, that's a good question. There was a wonderful book that I read when I was a homeopathic student in Britain, written by a German doctor called The Healing Power of Illness. Mm -hmm. I think that the ego, that limited edition of ourself, the one that negotiates with the world, I'm not saying the ego is good or bad, but the ego can become very dysfunctional. And 
we can create a tremendous amount of toxicity in the body through our attitudes of entitlement, feeling that life has to be on our terms. And when it's not, we get angry or we get enraged or we become, or we are filled with grief. And these toxins, they accumulate in the body. It's not just environmental toxicity, although I do think that is a huge factor in today's world. I think that emotional toxicity, not dealing with the true wounds of pain, separation, trauma, and loss, creates so much toxicity, the body will just fall into illness in order to repair itself. I believe that everything comes up to be healed and that times we are brought to our knees in order to find a higher way, a higher road. I learned many things through illness myself, and it brought me to the spirit, to trusting the spirit to see me through. It brought me to homeopathy. It brought me to less heroic forms of medicine, very gentle and effective forms of medicine like acupuncture, chiropractic, and homeopathy, which are just part of my life. I think that we could call it illness or we could call it detoxification because basically that's how I prefer to look at it. We can get very attached to our illnesses and there are people who really end game from being ill. They get a lot of attention. They don't have to work. They get benefits. They get, they get to stay arrested. What they don't get is the freedom of living their life in a healthy way. Health is a gift, but it is not a complicated thing to find health. Mm -hmm. And I think when people turn to the conventional treatments that uh, allopathic medicine has to offer, they become slaves to that medicine and enslaved by a system that will only weaken them. So that's my feeling. I don't, it's not a path I follow. I follow natural medicine 150%. Mm. I don't even have a Band-Aid in my house. You know, I know what to do to stop bleeding homeopathically. I believe in the natural world. And I think it's, it's so simple. Health can be simple if you choose it. It's mm -hmm. not to say that people are not born with genetic problems because people are. And more and more these days, we see genetic predisposition showing its head in chronic illness. But this can also be treated and treated very effectively by natural therapies. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to hurt. And I think if we have an idea that we have to be punished, then it will hurt. If we have a belief that we are worthy of the best, and that includes the best medicine, we'll find good practitioners who can bring us healing quickly and gently and effectively. It's really how you are willing to love yourself and see yourself in the process of healing. So you mentioned a couple of things which are so powerful, which I feel have to be repeated. You gave this wonderful definition of ego, which sometimes is difficult to put together in words. You said ego is the limited addition of ourself. It is an attitude of entitlement. And I'm noticing these days that so many people are talking about this topic of ego. There's also a book released recently called Ego is the Enemy, which is doing really well. What do we do when we notice during our daily life that our ego is trying to take over? Well, that's a good question. See, I do believe in a healthy ego. I think our ego is how we negotiate with the world around us. People with very weak egos don't know how to negotiate. They don't know how to say what they want. True. They don't feel entitled to be loved, respected, and treated kindly. So 
There are people that need to build a strong and resilient ego. That's what Carl Jung said, a strong and resilient ego, strong as steel against stone. That's a quote from Jung that I remember from my early days in healing, and I've paid attention to it. But there are also people with very inflated egos, they're very dysfunctional egos that feel absolutely entitled without any sense of gratitude or appreciation for the goodness of life itself. And I think we have to look around instead of pulling things down, we need to look and see the beauty around us, look and see the goodness that's there and be grateful for everything we have. There was a wonderful book a few years ago by the woman who wrote The Secret. I cannot remember her name. But she wrote a second book on gratitude that I think the reason she wrote The Secret was so that everybody would buy the second book because it was brilliant and it was so powerful. I must have read it seven or eight times just to be Mm -hmm. grateful for everything. And Americans, we have such abundance in this country, so much, so much to be grateful for. And that is something that I learned in my travels. I've lived in Africa. I've traveled in India and the Far East and the Middle East where people have nothing and they're happy. They're happy. They smile. They're kind. They're grateful for what they're able to put on their plates and into their mouths. They're grateful for a roof over their head. I've seen people live in cardboard boxes and still have a smile on their face. And here we are complaining that our homes aren't big enough or we don't have enough cars. We need more clothes in our closet. It's it's an anomaly. America is so blessed with so much. And America is a gracious country. That's something that in my travels I've come to appreciate. Americans are gracious and they are givers. Truly, they give when there's a situation, they give. But they, they also need to, to find the gratitude in their hearts. And I include that for myself. There's a lot I take for granted. When the power goes out here and I don't have power for 10 hours and I can't get on my computer, I am so grateful when it comes on. I'm grateful. <laughs> Let me tell you. I live in the desert in Tucson, Arizona. And when the rains come, you know, we can go months without rain. And we had recently these record-breaking heat waves of 120 degrees. I mean, ouch, ouch. You just see everything wilt around you. The rains came on Sunday for the first time in months. Oh, so grateful for the rain, so grateful for the rain. And you see it in nature. The trees perk up, the bushes perk up, the flowers come out, the desert turns green. So much to be grateful for here. And it's, it's an important quality. Gratitude is it's a key to living life well and to be happy in life. That is powerful. Action Tribe, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change as well. This is an awesome quote by Wayne Dyer. Now, Ambika, as you've mentioned earlier, one of your courses is called Chakra Balancing Using Sound and Color Remedies. So how does one go about healing themselves using sound and color? What's the process like? Well, the process is, first of all, learning about the chakras. I teach usually four to seven-week courses once a week and for a couple of hours a night. Some of these courses are going to be pre-recorded, but it's really understanding what is the nature and the essence of the chakra. Then I do a chakra meditation with the symbols for the chakra. For instance, the root chakra symbol is a large red cube placed in the base of the spine. So I ask people to visualize a large red cube to expand the form and intensify the color. I go through all the chakras carefully and slowly in a meditation I do in every class. 
the same meditation. I bring in the power of the angels because the angels help expand and balance the chakra. I bring in the planet. I'm a great believer in astrology and honoring the solstices and the equinoxes, honoring the stars and what they teach us about challenge and grit and perseverance. Important. They're very important. So I talk about the affinities and the correspondences in the chakras. Then I talk about the qualities of the chakras. For instance, the root chakra qualities are patience, structure that supports your life, the right to your own life, stability, order, good administration. These are qualities that we can build. And if we don't have them in place, then we can pray for them. I talk about the archetypes. I've written a book called Chakras and Their Archetypes. We can look at the archetypes archetypes of empowerment, responsibility, and energy. Victim is the negative archetype of the root chakra. Mother is the positive archetype. And that goes for men and women. Men, people who know how to take care of themselves, to mother themselves well, who can be patient, who can watch things come into place, who know how to take care of themselves, fix a meal, clean their home, work for a living. These are positive qualities. When you get trauma, separation, uh, loss, and emotional pain, blunting your senses, it's very hard not to fall into victimhood. But victimhood has almost no energy, and it requires the assistance of other people. So what we go through in this course is to become more empowered, more responsible for our lives, less victimized, more energized, and more responsible. And the more we are willing to do that, these chakras bloom like beautiful flowers. They expand, they balance. Issues that were challenging, physical problems that were challenging, actually just disappear as we take more responsibility for our lives. So that's how I teach. Uh, The remedies work to help expand and stabilize the chakras. We use color and sound because they have an affinity for the chakras. Mm -hmm. Color is a frequency. Red that works on the root chakra has the lowest frequency, the lowest vibration, and the highest density of any uh, color. And it works on the root chakra to anchor the spirit into the body and into the earth the field of the earth, the magnetic field of the earth. So these chakras have great affinities with gods and goddesses in the ancient Hindu culture. They, they liked the gods. The gods embodied all the qualities. But in the West, what I like is the soul psychology. What are the qualities that we need to build to create this energy field in order for it to be optimal and functional? So for the root chakra, if we're not patient, we get to create patience. When I first started doing this work, I had a chakra, root chakra, the size of a postage stamp. Now Mm. I have a now I have a root chakra the size of the property I live on. And it's huge. And it anchors me in everyday things like gardening and cleaning and cooking and very simple things. I love the root chakra. I spend a lot of time teaching it because people are not really grounded in life like they are in in third world countries where getting food and water is your major concern. People are more interested in their technology, making more money. These are good things, but where is your grounding? Because if you live in the higher chakra and you don't deal with the issues of separation that exist in the lower chakras, you will always be pulled down, always 
fighting to get back up to the higher levels. We need to deal with the issues of separation, the issues of you and me, the issues of greed and lust and disempowerment or overinflated egos. We need to deal with those issues and bring balance. And balance is found in the chakra. It's found in our energy field. It is not just a state of mind. It's a state of being. Wonderful. Now, let's go back in time now. How did you begin your spiritual journey? What's the story behind that experience? Well, that's a good question. I've always had a spiritual nature, but Right after my mother died, I was very young. I was 26 years old when my mother passed, and it gave me freedom in a way I had never I never wanted to disappoint my mother, and I did, you know, I was a good girl and I did what I was told to do. But when she passed, it was suddenly a moment of awakening. I had very powerful archetypal dreams that led me to Zurich to the Jung Institute to study soul psychology. I went to live in a community in southern Spain that was started by people who were in the humanistic psychology movement where they did three-month groups that included yoga and dance, massage, gestalt therapy, bioenergetic therapy, psychic massage, uh, meditation. It was a wonderful place. I was invited to do the art there and to run the kitchens. So I lived there for two and a half years at the Finca La Fuyenca, in southern Spain, near Gibraltar, up in the hills above Gibraltar. And that's where everything opened up for me. The, my psychic skills, my healing gifts came out, my creativity blossomed beyond belief. And it was a great door opening, a tremendous opportunity for me to be in a safe place and to open, open my spirit, connect with spirit, and it gave me the strength to go out into the world and start working in healing. And I started working in Madrid. I went to Belgium and worked there in Brussels. I worked in London. I came back to America to do more study. I studied with Gabrielle Roth, and I studied a form of Japanese Budo called Shintaido. And I just never stopped. Once that door got opened, I just flew like a bird being let out of a cage found my freedom, found my sole purpose, and never looked back, really. Beautiful. Firstly, thank you so much for sharing that story. Before we move on, is there a health tip that you'd like to share with our listeners? Something that they could try out right after this episode? A health tip. A health tip. That's right. Yes. Look into alternative medicine. If you're taking medications, look into alternative medicine. Get on to some websites on homeopathy, acupuncture, chiropractic, Reiki. Start to look and inquire. There is a better way. That's the best health tip I can give you. Look into a better way of eating, a better way of living, a better way of exercising, a better way of treating conditions. The more you love yourself, the more you will want only the best quality of healthcare around you. Don't get stuck in fear. Move out of fear into the freedom of choice. That's the best health tip I could give anybody. The power of curiosity and asking questions. I'm definitely going to have that in the show notes. <laughs> that absolutely. Curiosity is the best thing in the world. And not to get stuck thinking that, well, this will never change. I will always be a crippled. I will always be fat. I will always be um, 
out of commission. Nobody will love me. Let's get over that. Let's think creatively. Let's think positively. Nothing is written in stone other than that you will be born and you will pass over into eternal life at some point. Everything in between is open and mutable. I have seen the work of the Spirit in so many things and so many recoveries. It's been an honor to watch people take their health into their own hands and and find their lives back. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for this episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 128. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 128. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he or she sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, these ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. This is a powerful quote by Robert F. Kennedy. Action Tribe, sometimes you might feel alone when struggling with your challenge. Sometimes you might feel like there is no one really benefiting from your overcoming of your challenge. And you might feel like a level of powerlessness in your struggles to stand up for what you know is right. In such a moment, remember the words of Robert Kennedy because whether you see it or know, we are all connected by an ocean of energy called the universal energy field. Each of our thoughts, feelings and actions affects people around us on an energetic level. When you show hope, you are giving hope to some other. When you stand up in faith, you're allowing others to do so. When you don't give up, you're in fact energizing another person to not give up as well. So it's true. Together we can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. Now, Ambika, let's go back to a moment when you faced a major challenge. Firstly, how did you overcome that situation? And then how did that experience change your life? When I was in my 30s, I was living in Africa and I developed a large ovarian cyst. The doctor said they were going to have to operate and I just was not, I was living in Africa and I would have had to travel to the West for a serious operation and I didn't want to do it. So I thought a lot about it. I was in a place with very limited resources. There was no internet in those days. This is in the early 1980s. And whatever material was around me was in another language. There was very little written in English. I lived in a French-speaking African country, and but I knew a lot about nutrition. I had studied nutrition, um, macrobiotic cooking, vegetarian cooking. I had studied it. I had worked in a center in southern Spain where they did fasting. And I thought about that that was the direction I was going to go to see if I could shrink this ovarian cyst that was about the size of a grapefruit. So I set about getting, it was also difficult to get food where I lived. I mean, you you know, you had to be really clear what you wanted and you had to figure mm. out how you were going to get it. It was, and if you could pay for it, if you could even find it. And I went to some missionaries that I knew who trucked food up from South Africa to the country I lived in, and they agreed to bring me brown rice. You would think in a rice-growing rice country I could have gotten brown rice, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it was almost impossible. So the missionaries agreed to give me, you know, kilos and kilos of brown rice. Vegetables were not a problem. I had a vegetable garden. I could grow my own organic, beautiful vegetables. And I set about a very rigorous routine of strict diet, yoga, 
meditation, prayer, and I felt this enormous cyst starting to shrink. About six months after starting this regime, I went to Belgium and I went to a a doctor, a doctor who had told me I needed to have the operation. I need to say that. And he said, it's gone. It's, I, it, I must have misdiagnosed it. I said, no, you didn't. I did diet and yoga and, you know, did healing. He said, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and I thought, you can't tell me the last six months of my life were ridiculous. <laughs> I did this with great discipline, but I learned that self-healing is possible. And it takes rigor It's not for the lighthearted. You have to want to get better. You have to really want not to have to have surgery or take medication or be dependent upon doctors. You have to really want that. You have to want health like you want life. And I did. And it transformed something in me. It taught me that I had the power to heal myself or that through through my what I did, God could bring healing to me. It was a Wonderful experience for me to hear him say, I can't find anything. Mm-hmm. And what a, it was a joy to my ears to hear that. And it validated what I intuitively knew to be the right way for me. It may not be the right way for somebody else, but it was the right way for me. And it opened the doors to confidence, confidence in my intuition and confidence in the power of the natural way of healing. So that was a powerful experience. So firstly, thank you for sharing this inspiring story. If you had to summarize the major life lesson that you learned from experiencing this in just one sentence, what would you like to share with our listeners? I think empowerment is a extraordinary lesson to know that you have everything you need within you to bring healing into your life to open the field for healing and blessings of goodness to come to you. It's all within us. So firstly, I think this is an amazing story. You mentioned that you were living in Africa and this was many years back, as you mentioned, not recently. At that point, you developed a large ovarian cyst and an operation meant a lot of inconvenience and the need to travel all the way back to the West, which I'm sure back in the day was not as uh, seamless as it is these days. Right? You just catch a plane and you, you travel back. It must have been more challenging. Different country, different language, different culture. But you remember the power of nutrition, right? I'm sure as you shared that food was good food was hard to find and very expensive. You spoke to a group of missionaries and luckily you were able to arrange for brown rice. You had some wonderful vegetables that you were growing. You started a rigorous and disciplined practice of yoga, diet, prayer and meditation. You had the faith that you could get better and later on, obviously you healed yourself. You went back to the same doctor and he was surprised and he couldn't believe it. And I'm sure that seeing his expression was amazing for you. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners, many of our listeners who are going to challenges of so many different sorts, health challenges, relationship challenges, get an idea that if you have the faith and the conviction that a transformation is possible, and if you have the rigor and the discipline to actually act that out, then the change is possible. Action Tribe, listening to 
Ambika's stories of traveling around the world in Africa, in Middle East, in India, in Europe. I'm sure you also want to travel, but sometimes it might not be that practical for you at this point in life. Maybe you have kids to support. Maybe you have businesses to run. Maybe you have old parents at home. In such a situation, don't worry. Don't let go of your vision. You will get an opportunity to travel wherever you want. But for now, pick up your favorite book because books allow you to follow the author up the peaks of the Himalayas, deep into the jungles of Africa or even get lost on a lonely island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Start where you are with what you have, action taker, because as George Curtis so powerfully said, imagination is as good as many voyages and how much cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) So Ambika, for someone who is on this journey of identifying his or her life purpose, what is your life purpose at this point in time? My life purpose is to be as happy as I know how to be to do what brings joy to my life. And when I do that, I am a radiant being. I bring that into my work. I bring it into my teaching. I bring it into my products. I trust the power of joy. And that is my life purpose, whether it's professional or private. And I can say I am a healer. I am a product developer. I am a teacher. I am a writer. But everything I do brings me great happiness. I don't do what creates punishment or pain or unhappiness. I'm committed to bringing joy into my life every single day, even if it's just sitting and looking out the window of my office into my garden and seeing a hummingbird taking nectar from a flower. That is a joyful moment in my life, and I bring that to whatever I'm doing. That is the purpose of my life. And I've moved through many disciplines. I've moved through many therapies. I love writing with all my heart. I love teaching. I love developing new products. It's like that is great joy to me. I love consulting with people. I love seeing people get better. But it's joy I'm looking at, the highest vibration and that the highest level. Mm-hmm. I always feel that there is definitely a spiritual element to product creation and entrepreneurship, right? Because what he or she is doing is using the blueprint of what he or she wants to create that is in the mind and then enacting upon that and moving things around. So that blueprint, that idea or that concept is actually manifested right in front of the person. And that is amazing. Yes, that is amazing. Because you can take this joy that you cultivate every day and you can Mm -hmm. put it into anything, anything. You can clean your house in joy. You can take the garbage out in joy. You can have joy in your relationships, in your friendships, in your, you know, you can go to the post office and have a moment with the postal clerk. It's there and it's a vibration. It's a frequency that touches the heart of everything in front of you. Whatever your choices are, whatever brings delight into your life, Mm -hmm. it's a time for us to cultivate joy. It's the, we are given this great opportunity in this dark time to cultivate our light, to kindle light, to kindle light. It's what's said in Kabbalah, kindle the light, the inner light within us. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing on this program. It's what you're doing With this interview, you are kindling light in people. And that's what I hope I'm doing in myself and and for others too. It starts within us. It's our commitment to our lives to take ourselves seriously enough to know we are entitled to happiness, to love, to joy, to beauty, to grace, 
and to open ourselves to receive it. So as you look back at your life now, was there ever a special moment beyond which you were certain and, and pretty confident that your situation was about to transform? Well, I would say that happens to me every day. Every day there is magic and wonder and miracles in my life. Every single day. But when I look back on particular moments, I'm actually writing a book about those moments. I've had some wonderful experiences, and I'd love to share one that I had with my teacher in India. His name was Punjaji. We called him Papaji. He was, uh, when I met him, close to 90. And he had been a civil engineer in his life, in his working life. But he had always been in search of God, always, always, always. And many Westerners were drawn to him. He held satsang in his home and invited however many people were coming to visit him into his home. He would feed people. He would pray. He would tell stories. He would meditate. And he always made me laugh. And one day he asked me if I would do healing on him. He had a lot of pain in his feet. He used to sit in um, in lotus position, which for an almost 90-year-old man was really something. So I did some healing on him, and that's how he gave me my name, Ambika. I was at the time working on these homeopathic color remedies, and I said to him, I see a lot of color around you. I see the color violet. Would you be willing to take a homeopathic color remedy? And he said, yes, of course. So I had to go out into the streets of Lucknow, India, in Uttar Pradesh, and I had to find the pharmaceutical things I needed, which they weren't pharmaceutical chemicals. They were glass beakers, pure water, pipettes, and silk. I found violet silk to cover the the bowl of pure water with and then potentized in the homeopathic fashion. So I made a violet 6X for him and he took it and all of his pain went away. All the pain in his feet went away and I was stunned. I was just stunned. I came back the next day and he said, all the pain is gone, Ambika. Well, he didn't. He said, I've got a name for you. He said, your name is Ambika. And I said, what does it mean? He said, it means universal mother. And this name will draw people to you who need your healing or it will repel people who need to be far (laughs) from you. And that was a wonderful moment in my life, a very affirming moment of the magic and the trust that my intuition was leading me in the right direction. He was one of the first major um, treatments that I gave with these color remedies, and he totally validated its effectiveness. And I was so, so stunned by it. I I have to tell you, it was like, you mean really this works? (laughs) 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 But he was so affirming. And I went back to the West and he said to me, go back and do the best you can. Go back and help people in the best way you can. I returned once again to see him, to spend a month with him. And he was very dear to my heart, very, very dear to my heart. And I think about him often. I get on the Facebook page and I read many of his quotes, and I see the video clips that people have taken, and I'm delighted to have known him in my life. He was a pivotal player in in my development, for which I'm truly grateful. But I must say, every day brings something wonderful and miraculous. I, I look for it. I want the miracles. I want the wonder every day. Mm-hmm. And so I usually find it. <laughs> Because that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's amazing. That's probably because you at that point were living in Lucknow. And so you had luck Lucknow. now. Lucknow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and with that, we've entered the last and final round for today's show, the wisdom round. This round contains four questions so that our listeners can take note and take action.
Are you ready? I am. So what is the best advice that you've ever received? Be happy. Find happiness. Don't let anything come between you and your happiness. So name a personal habit that you'd like to share with our listeners. Personal habit is daily meditation. Wonderful. So what is your morning ritual like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? I meditate. I pray. I have books that I read, spiritual books. I created an oracle called the Angel Oracle. And I, at the end of meditation and the end of prayer, I, I put the cards out and see what the day is going to bring in terms of angelic qualities. I read a book from Kabbalah that is very interesting called The 72 Names of God. And I'll just open the book and see what the God quality is for the day. Sometimes I pray the rosary twice a day to develop my will and to open and keep that spiritual connection strong, very strong within me. And then I go for a swim for 15 minutes and then I get up and have some wonderful fresh juice in the morning that I juice myself and then I go out and do my yoga practice. And by then it's probably 10 o'clock and I better get to work. <laughs> but I like getting up early um, here in the desert. We get up around 5.30, 5.30 because it's cool. The, the temperature is cool and you can get things done. You can be outside. And by 8 or 9 o'clock, the sun comes up. It's very strong and everybody will start to go indoors. But I do that for the first two hours of my day. It makes my day and it stabilizes me so that no matter what comes my way, I feel very anchored in in the God within me. So what's the most powerful book that you've read and you know, you'd like to share with our listeners? Most powerful book I've read. I'm reading a wonderful book now called The Power of the Word by Paul Selig. It's a channeled book. It's There are three in a series and it is extraordinary guidance. The power of the word. It's, it's not to be read lightly. It took me maybe a month to read the first book. I'm in the middle of the second book, which is The Power of Creation and Love. And it's a really sacred text. It's, it's everything we know, but more so. And it is very affirming. And it works with transforming the way we look at our life. They're very powerful books. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend them. You can find them on Amazon. Action Tribe to access today's show notes. Visit my 7 forward slash 128. That's my 7 forward slash 128. Two, eight. So Ambika, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your amazing stories and insights. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you. Well, I'm grateful for my life. I'm 70 years old and I'm grateful that I'm, I have a young spirit and a healthy body and a wonderful outlook on life, no matter what comes my way. I'm grateful for my life and for the spiritual forces that sustain me. You can reach me at www.lifeenergymedicine.com or at ambikawaters.com. You can find me on Facebook at the Institute of Life Energy Medicine, and my books are all on amazon.com, all of them, even the ebooks that I've done. I highly encourage you to take a look at some of the books and certainly look into homeopathic medicine, acupuncture, Reiki chiropractic, anything that's going to intensify your awareness of energy. I thank you so much for having me on your program. I love the way you think. I love the way you express yourself. I'm sitting here. You can't see me, but I'm going, yes, yes, nodding. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
I'm so glad that you got in touch with me. Thank you very much. So thanks a lot, Ambika. We're going to have these links up in the show notes. LifeEnergyMedicine.com, AmbikaWaters.com, your Facebook page, and the links so that people can go on Amazon and get your books as well. Phenomenal books and so many books you've written. So you've really spent a large portion of your life helping others raise the level of their consciousness. And we respect you for that. Thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the chakras and energy medicine and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you and all the best to you. you what the work you do is wonderful. Listening to My Seven Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.